0: Okay, Uh, good evening, uh, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of Bible questions and answers. Before we go ahead and proceed to answer the first question, let's first stand for our opening prayer. Almighty and merciful Yahuwah God, yes, we gather once again to proclaim praise to you and to your name. Amen. We recognize and acknowledge your blessings in our life, yes, God. including our life itself yes, and the redemption you provided for our souls, Amen. that we can stand before you as your sons and daughters yes, to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. Amen. We are truly thankful this day yes, for despite Father. what is happening throughout the world. Yes. We have the opportunity through this technology yes. to be yes. able to meet together, to study your holy words, Amen. enrich our wisdom, yes. bless our hearts. Yes. May your words transform your people yes. that we can become more and more like your son. Amen. Yahusha, our King, we thank you now. Yes. Oh, we God. worship God. you as well. We ask that you please increase our faith. Teach us to depend on you always. That we can be led to the path of life everlasting. Father, please bless our friends and loved ones. So that when we share our faith with them, their hearts will be receptive. Open to your truth. We can all be together to worship your holy name. We ask and beg all things, heavenly Father. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, praises be to our loving Abba. And we're gathered once again to study his words. We have four questions lined up for tonight. It might be a little lengthy, especially towards the last part, but we'll try to keep it within one hour. Okay, so let's go ahead and go with the first question. The first question is the following. Hello, Polka John. I want to ask something. I happened to saw online about the book of Jasher. This book is not included in the Bible, although it seems that it should have been included in the Bible. Also, it is even mentioned in the Bible in Joshua ten thirteen and 2 Samuel 1, verse 18. So the question is, this book, which is called the book of Jasher, perhaps some of you have heard of the book of Jasher, should it be included in the canon of Scripture or should it be included in the 66 books that we find in our Bibles today? And the reason why the person asking the question about the book of Jasher is because he cites two passages in the Bible, namely Joshua 10.13 and 2 Samuel 1.18, which references the book of Jasher. And so the question is, should the ancient book of Jasher be included in our Bibles today and provide a basis for faith for salvation? So let's go ahead and take a look in Scripture, the mentioning of the book of Jasher in Joshua chapter 10, verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written In the book of Joshua, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. So, in the book of Joshua, there's a mentioning of the book of Joshua. Take note, Joshua came after Moses. And so, if Joshua, the one who wrote the book of Joshua, mentions the book of Jashar, we can assume that whoever wrote the so-called book of Jashar, this writing, this book of the book of Jashar, was already in existence during the days of Joshua. It should be included in the Old Testament works. Not only is it mentioned in Joshua 10.13, it's also mentioned in 2 Samuel 1.17-18. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Joshua. Again, just like in Joshua, there is a mentioning of the book of Joshua. It's mentioned twice in the old text in the Old Testament text, which brings us to the question: Should it be included in the Holy Bible? Well, to, and before we go ahead and answer that question, just because the writers of Scripture mentions a book doesn't mean the book that has been mentioned should be considered inspired by God. Remember, for a book or a reference word to be considered among the collection called Scriptures, it has to be deemed inspired by God. Just because one is mentioned by the authors of Scripture, or I should say the writers of Scripture, because the true author is Jehovah God through the Holy Spirit, just because it's mentioned by a writer, it doesn't automatically mean it should be canonical. For example, in First 1 Kings 14.19, there's a mentioning of the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. In 14.29, there's a mentioning of the chronicles of the kings of Judah, And in 1 Chronicles 27-24, there's a mentioning of the book of the annals of King David. And an interesting one in 1 Kings eleven forty-one. there's the book of the annals of Solomon. So there are many other references that have been mentioned in the Holy Bible, but are not included in the Old Testament. Perhaps these books that have been referenced are no longer extant. And perhaps the reason why is because Yahuwah God does not deem it necessary to be included in what is called inspired scripture. Remember, Yahuwah God is the author of what we have today as the Holy Bible. And so we believe if it's not included in the Old Testament as recognized by the Jews during the days of Yahusha here on earth, because when Yahusha was here on earth, He used the scriptures used by the Jewish people when they gathered the so-called sacred texts in in the New Testament times. Were there books that were referenced or were there quotes that were used that did not come from scripture? Let's look at the book of Titus 1, 10 to 13, for there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, uh, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be of sound, so that they will be sound in the faith. So here's Apostle Paul. And he mentions prophets from Crete, and he even quotes the prophet. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Does it mean that uh, the the author who owns the quotation, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, that his work shouldn't be included in the scripture? Of course not. It was simply added so that the author, the writer of the book, it can use it as an illustration to prove a point or to show a point that the writer wants to express in his communication. For example, in Acts 17, 27 to 28, who is the one speaking here? Wasn't it Apostle Paul? And he's speaking to a Greek audience, a Gentile audience. And this is what he says in Acts 17. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps each reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Take note in the scriptures the parts the two sentences there that are contained in quotation marks those are quotes from other works other reference book for example for in him we live and move and have our being apostle paul quotes that from who from Epimenes one of a one of the poets from Crete he used that poem as a part of his homily or his presentation and the part where it says we are his offspring he quotes a Sicilian poet by the name of Aratus and so in both instances Apostle Paul uses outside sources so that he can communicate to people who might appreciate those outside sources so just because a book or a reference work is mentioned in scripture doesn't it mean it should be included in Scripture. The purpose of the writer is simply to communicate or to prove a point to its intended audience. Now, when we now look at the book of Jasher, if you do an online search of the book of Jasher, it is filled with controversy. A Wikipedia article, for example, will tell you the book of Jasher, also called Pseudo-Jasher, is an 18th century Literary forgery by Jacob Leave. It purports to be an English translation by Flaccus Albinus, Alquinus of the lost book of Jasher. By the way, Albinus Alquinas lived in the eighth century. And so, if the origin of the Book of Jasher is authentic, why is it was why was it only during the time of Albinus Alquinas, When it should have been way, way, way before, during the days of Joshua, right? And so it should have been included in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Unfortunately, we do not find the Book of Jasher in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It is sometimes called pseudo-Jasher to distinguish it from the Midrashic Sefer HaYashar, Book of the Upright, which incorporates genuine Jewish. Legend And so when we look at the book of Jasher, the fact that it's missing from the collection of books in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we look at possibilities of forgery and faulty translation. Nevertheless, if we look at the book of Jasher as it is presented today, we believe it's different from the so-called book of Jasher mentioned in the Holy Scriptures. Why? What is different about it? Well, let's put it to the test. For example, if you read the book of Jasher today, as it is presented, right, this is what you can read in Jasher 42, 30 to 31. And Joseph uh, reached his mother's grave, and Joseph hastened and ran to his mother's grave and fell upon the grave and wept. Want to pause her for a while? Who's the Joseph referred to here? Who's the Joseph? Son yeah, the son of Jacob, one of the fascinating things about the other books that are not in the Bible is they fill in a lot of the gaps because there's a lot of gaps in the stories in the Old Testament, right? And these so-called books, they like to fill in a lot of the gaps a lot of people want to know about. So much of it could be just fiction, legends from Hebrew minds. And so in the book of Jasher, we have this account. Where it speaks about Joseph. We know what happened to Joseph. He was sold by his brothers to slavery. And so between the the time they were he was sold and up to the time he goes to Egypt, this is supposedly what happened. Let's keep reading. 31. And Joseph cried aloud upon his mother's grave, and he said, Oh, my mother, my mother, oh thou didst give me birth. Awake now and rise and see thy son. Now he has been sold for a slave and no one to pity him. Oh, rise and see thy son. Weep with me on account of my troubles, and see the heart of my brethren. Arouse, my mother. Arouse, awake from thy sleep for me, and direct thy battles against my brethren. Oh, how how have they stripped me of my coat, remember his coat, and sold me already twice for a slave, and separated me from my father, and there's no one to pity me. Arouse and lay... Thy cause against them before God and see whom God will justify in the judgment and whom he will condemn. And so here we have Joseph going to the gravesite of uh, his mother. And what does he do? He consults with his dead mother. He asks her to be aroused to wake up and act on his behalf. And stranger than that is what happens next, let's keep reading. 37, and Joseph heard a voice speaking to him from beneath the ground, which answered him with bitterness of heart and with a voice of weeping and praying in these words, my son, my son, Joseph, I have heard the voice of thy weeping and the voice of thy lamentation. I have seen thy tears. I know thy troubles, my son, And it grieves me for thy sake, and abundant grief is added to my grief. Now, therefore, my son, Joseph, my son, hope to the Lord, and wait for him, and do not fear, for the Lord is with thee. He will deliver thee from all trouble. Rise, my son, go down unto Egypt with thy masters, and do not fear, for the Lord is with thee, my son. So not only does Joseph go to the gravesite of his mother, and consults with her, the mother responds from the grave beneath. And so this consultation with the mother results in communication between the dead mother and Joseph. Is that in consonance with the Bible's teaching? No, and contradicts what God wants. As a matter of fact, this is what Yahuwah strictly enforced during the the days of Israel. Deuteronomy 18, uh, 10 to 12 Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to Yahuwah. And because of these detestable practices, Yahuwah, your God, will drive up Drive out those nations before you. This is why we cannot accept the book of Jasher because it contradicts what? Scripture. By the way, that's just one instance of many, many contradictions between the statements of the book of Jasher and the Bible as we have it today. This is why we toss out the book of Jasher. Now, when we come across other books, we need to test those books as well. okay? Let's go to the next question. Here's my question Paul, since Yehovah, our God has already chosen his people from the beginning, according to Ephesians 1 verse four, no matter how hard we try, we can't win people to listen to us if they're not chosen by God. Also we should not have, also we should not have a hard time convincing people of the gospel. If they were amongst the chosen ones, is this correct? Paul, so the question is, maybe you have people you love and you want them to study the Bible with us. You want them to be convinced to be among the chosen of God. However, if it is true that they are chosen of God, it should be easy, right? Because they're already chosen of God. And so question is, if they are truly chosen by God, then the calling process, them becoming members of the kahal or the assembly of Yahushua should be an easy process without any problem. So let's take a look first at the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The reason why I want to look at the verse is because in the question, part of the question is no matter how hard, we try, we can't win people to listen to us if they are not chosen by God. And so it seems, it appears that there are people preselected not to respond to the gospel, right? And so we need to know when the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4 to 6, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Is it true that before Yahweh God? created the universe he already knows those who belong to him what is your answer yes because he's yahuwah god he's eternal for him there's no past present and future everything is it is just eternal for him everything he can see from his vantage point so he, his point of view is different from our point of view does it mean however that yahuwah god does not give freedom to choose Uh, From these individuals that they were chosen to choose salvation. No, they were given the opportunity to choose. You see, what was predestined were not the people. There's no such thing as people predestined. To choose this and to choose that. No, God gives us freedom to choose, and that freedom is authentic. You see, what is predestined is not the choice of hum- not the choice of mankind. What was predestined. If we keep reading, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Yahusha, Christ. What was predestined is the plan of God, which is for a person to be adopted, he needs to go through who? Yahusha the Christ. That is what was predestined. However, the choice that we make, that choice is entirely our own. And when Yahuwah God predestined Yahusha the Christ, the way by which we can be adopted as sons and daughters of God, how did Yahuwah God determine that? In in accordance with his pleasure and will, the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves and so our two choices that we need to see here number one the choice that God made that salvation and eternal life can be obtained through Yahusha. Yahuwah God has made that choice already that salvation is through Yahusha. This is why in John 1 1 it mentions the whole world was made through the Logos, the Word, who is Yahusha, because everything is to be mediated through Yahusha the Christ. So that was predetermined. But the choices we make are not predetermined. But because Yahuwah God is eternal, even before He created the world, he already knows the choices we're going to. But it doesn't erase the fact that we still have to make the choice. And it does not erase the fact that Yahuwah God wants all people to be saved. What's the proof in Timothy 2, 3 to 4? This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So Yehudah God wants everyone to be saved. However, it doesn't mean that just because God wants you to be saved, you're going to be Say The choice is still up to you. This is why in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, 19, Yahuwah God says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose a life so that you and your descendants might live. And so God gives human beings a choice. Yahuwah presents to us the choice between life and death. But Yahuwah God He's trying to persuade us. You notice the the last part? Oh, that you should choose life. He's telling us, encouraging us through scripture, encouraging us through our friends who want us to listen to the words of God. He's telling us choose life, but we cannot make that choice for them. The Bible says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. It has to be our choice, not somebody else's choice. This is why for us to make that choice, we need to be presented with the opportunity to make that choice. And so how does God call people? That's 2 Thessalonians 2.14. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Yahusha, Christ, because that's the plan for his salvation that he determined long ago. But for us to be included, we have to choose that as a response to our calling. This is why the Bible tells us there are many who are called, but few are chosen, because not everyone who receives the invitation not everyone who is called responds with a, yes, you can reject the call. The Yahuwah God does not want us to reject the call. He wants us to heed the call. But because of various reasons and various excuses, there are people who reject the gospel when they are being called. Does it mean we give up on them? Let's read Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we who are who belong to Yahushua, what is our duty? What is the mandate? What is the commissioning that Yahushua Christ gives to all of us? We are to make disciples of all. Nations. What does that mean? We have to open our mouth. This is why I really love the question that our brother has given to us. Because he has people he loves. And he wants the people whom he loves to listen to the teachings of Yahuwah and Yahusha, So that they too can be disciples. I'm glad you asked that question. You are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so don't give up. Just because it's not easy, don't give up. Because the question was, if they're being called by God, one assumes, right, it should be easy. And so if they reject your invitation to listen, you might say, oh, maybe they're not being called yet. And so we should not give up on them. Why? Why should we not give up? Because Because in scriptures, it reveals two things. Number one, some are actually very resistant to the gospel and hard to convince. But eventually, they get convinced do you believe that here's a good example of that acts 8 1 2, 3 Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen Stephen was one of the first deacons appointed inside the assembly remember him Stephen <laughs> a great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Here we have a hard case. Someone who rejected the gospel of Yahushua. What's his name? Saul. In fact, not only did he reject Yahushua and the gospel of Yahushua, he persecuted those who accepted Yahushua and his gospel to the point that he was one of the witnesses that put uh, the, the death knell against Stephen, right? Not only that, he persecuted the church or the assembly going everywhere from house to house and he dragged both men and women and threw them into prison. How many here would want to invite Saul into your Bible meetings and Bible gatherings and Bible studies. Anyone here would want to invite him? Maybe you're saying to yourself, oh, he's not being called by God. I will just give up on him. But we know what happened to Saul, right? Was he eventually called? Yes. Saul is the same person as Paul, the apostle, the evangelist. And so Saul, once the greatest persecutor of all, Became one of the greatest evangelists and apostles of the assembly. This is why just because one resists our invitation, we should not say, oh, they're not being called. They're not chosen. No, do not give up on them. Apostle, why did Apostle Paul, what, what did he say? What was the reason for why he persecuted the church so much and then he was called? He was, cho- he was brought into the fold. Timothy 1, 15 and 17, this is a worthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Yahushua came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Yahushua could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst. Sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And so if you're inviting your loved one, you're inviting your friend, right? You want them to be called to be among the chosen, but you keep sending invitation after invitation, but they just keep ignoring you. They keep rejecting your invitation. Bible says, be patient, And whom did Yahusha Christ use as an illustration, an example of patience? Apostle Paul. He was the worst sinner because he was the worst persecutor. But because of the patience of Yahusha, even the worst sinner became the the best, one of the most prolific of the apostles. This is why the message is don't give up. Be patient, brothers and sisters, when it comes to sharing our Faith. Why else must we not give up? Well, the scriptures reveal not only that there are some who are resistant to the gospel. Sometimes, number two, some are not converted till till the last day of their life. What's the proof? Luke 23, 39 to 43. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, "Yahusha, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Yahushua replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so according to the Holy Scriptures, is there a person who was not called until the very last day of his life. Was there? Yeah. What's his name? I have no idea what the name is. But what we know is that he was on the cross with Yahushua. And right before he died, he believed that Yahushua was or is the Messiah. And what did Yahushua say to him? I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. I want you to look at verse 43 because this has caused some confusion. It appears that Yahushua and this criminal will go to paradise on that day. But we know that's not what happened, right? It was until the third day that Yahushua resurrected. And even on that day, he did not go to paradise. You see, in the Greek, there are no commas. And so when it says, I assure you today You will be with me in paradise. The comma should be placed after the word today. I assure you today. That's what Lehuja is saying. I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. And so the point is, uh, brothers and sisters, don't give up. When it comes to sharing our faith, even if they're hard-headed, even if they will report you, even if they will say nasty things about you, Apostle Paul killed, uh, Apostle Paul in prison the early followers of Yahushua, but he became an apostle, okay? So don't give up on our duty to disciple other people by bringing them into the foe. Let's go to the next question. Hi, Kajan. I had this conversation from a friend who's still a member of the INZ. He watches our BHP regularly, and he has this question. The question uh, was, do we have the right as Gentiles to call God by his name, Yahuwah? The reason is because from what I understand, God only gave the authority to Moses' people the right to use his name. The reason is because from what I understand, God only gave the authority to Moses' people. Okay, Israel has always been God's chosen children. Truly, they turned away, but supposedly they will come back to God. Once again, will be the only ones to have the right to use God's name, Yahuwah, not us. First of all, I never taught that only the Israelites uh, could use the name of God, Yahuwah. It was never presented from this pulpit that only Moses' people, people of Israel, can use the name of Yahuwah God. So I don't know where that came from, but it did not come from this pulpit. And so, but the question is still a question. question is, do we have the right as Gentiles to call God by his name, Yahuwah. Let's go to Exodus 3:13 and 15. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahuwah. The God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generation. And so Moses is asking Yahuwah God uh, basically uh, two questions. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask, what is his name? That's the first question. What should I? And the next question is, then what should I tell them? So twofold question, right? What's his name? What should I tell them? And So what was God's reply to Moses? What should? What did he say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am sent me to you. And so what uh, God is telling Moses when when he said, I am who I am, say the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. What he's telling Moses is a description of who he is. He's not answering immediately the, the, the first question, which is what is his name. But he continues. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors, the God, Yahuwah, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal Name, so the eternal name, uh, that Yahuwah God presented to Moses is the name YHUH YHWH Yahuwah, the Tetragrammaton. Now, because Moses was sent to the people of Israel, those who get the privilege of knowing the name of God through Moses was who the Israelites. But does it mean that only Israel? have the authority to mention and use his name. No, it doesn't mean that only the people of Israel are authorized to use the name of God. What's the proof? In Romans 9, 16 to 17, it does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose That I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, Yahuwah God wants his name to be in the lips, in the mind, and in the hearts of people throughout the earth. To get this done, he will use Pharaoh. This was during the days of Moses. And so what Yahuwah God wants was his name. To be the name mentioned when people talk about the true God of heaven and earth. Take note, during the days of Moses, were there many so-called gods? Yes or no? Yes, there are many so-called gods. But the one and only God was who? Yahuwah. And so he wants his name, Yahuwah, to be in the hearts and minds of people when they think about the God of all gods. The one who created the heavens and the earth. What's the proof? Let's read the book of Joshua 2, 8 to 13. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that Yahuwah has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how Yahuwah dried up the water of the Red Sea For you, for you, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed, when we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For Yahuwah, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by Yahuwah that you will show kindness to my family." Because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. And that you will save us from death. And so we have here a non-Israelite recognizing the name of Yahuwah, mentioning the name of Yahuwah, is in reverence of the name of Yahuwah. Do you know who this person is, this non-Israelite? Rahab, the prostitute, right? It was a non-Israelite. And so when when some spies went to the promised land again to spy out the land, and when the people of Canaan became suspicious and they tried to look at these spies, they were able to find a safe place in the house of the prostitute. The name is Rahab. Rahab took them in. Why? Because he recognized the name of Yahuwah God because he knows, she knows, she has heard what Yahuwah God has done for the people of Israel, uh, helping them to cross the Red Sea, the miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea. Not only that, but the destruction of the Amorite kings. And so he knows this Yahuwah God is the true God. So he was a non-Israelite, but he used the name of Yehovah God, and because of this, um, what happened? Did, did Yehovah God, did, did he say that he, she's being she's forbidden from using that name? Hebrews eleven thirty one. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So Rahab was approved by Yehua, our God. As a matter of fact, she spent, you know, when Yahuwah God destroyed Kenan, Rahab and his family were saved and they stayed with Israel until the very end. And so during the ends of the earth, because that was a long time ago during the days of Joshua. But during our time, during the ends of the earth, Is it true? Does Yahuwah God only limit the use of the name Yahuwah to those who are Israelites? Jeremiah 16, 19, and 21. Oh, Yahuwah, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress to you, the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, 'Our, our fathers possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Do men make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Therefore, I will teach them. This time I will teach them my power and might. Then they will know that my name is Yahuwah. And so during the ends of the earth, it's not just the people of Israel. But all nations, quote unquote, Gentiles will learn about the name of Yahuwah. But will Gentiles be calling on the name of Yahuwah? Or maybe it's only for the Jews. Well, to settle the debate once and for all, let's read the book of Romans 10, 8 to 13. Take note, we are in the Christian era. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. But if you confess with your mouth, Yahushua is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. I want to say that again. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. Is it only the Jewish people who should be calling on the name Yahuwah? No. The Bible says everyone. When it says everyone who are included Jew and Gentile. This is why if you're Jewish, you can you should call on the name of Yahuwah. If you're Chinese, if you're Filipino... If you're Hispanic, it does not matter. You have you can call on the name of Yahuwah. And if one will call on the name of Yahuwah and confess it with his mouth and believes it in his heart, the Bible says he will be saved, right? And so the, the one who is asking the question, does it mean that because we are not Gentiles or does, because we are not Israelites, we should not call on the name of Yahuwah, well, then one would consider then Zechariah 13, 9, this third, I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say, our God. This third group that will go into the fire, where do they come from? Far east, right? Called during the ends of the earth and they're going to go through the fire. And what will they do according to the prophecy? Call on my name, right? Do they have to be Jews? No. They will call on my name and they will say, Yahuwah is our God. Okay. So even if you're not Jewish, doesn't, even if you're not Hebrew, doesn't mean you cannot call on the name of Yahuwah God. Yahuwah God wants you to call on his name. The only thing he doesn't want you to do is to take his name in. Vain To use his name in vain. But to use his name, to call out his name for salvation, that is Jehovah God's will for all human beings, including all the Gentiles. Yes, it's a Hebrew name, but it does not mean it's only for the Hebrew people. The name Yahushua is a Hebrew name. But it doesn't mean it's only for the Hebrew people. It's the salvation for all. Only one name, Yahuwah and Yahusha. The Yahusha is the the only name for salvation from the name Yahuwah our God. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question. The last question we're going to study today. Uh, my children have questions if you can help me answer they're concerned, they're wondering why there's so many different divisions among the so called defender groups, which is true, right? There's so many different defender groups. I'm lost right now. Are you, which group do you belong to? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. What do you believe? Huh, kind of lost, right? And so this question really makes sense. And so what they're requesting, the son or the daughter, I don't know, but the children requested, the bottom part, it says an outsider's perspective guide to understanding what the assembly of Yahusha is about, an outline of how it came to be and what it teaches, and how it is different from all other defender groups and INC in general. Love the question. So we have like a basic synopsis of how the assembly of Yahusha came to be. So, how did the assembly of Yahusha? Uh, came, how did it came to be? Well, let's begin at the beginning. Is that okay? We'll go back at the very, very beginning. Let's go back to, I mean, I can only speak on my behalf. I can't speak for anyone else. I just want to preface that. I cannot speak uh, from the point of view of the other groups. I can only speak from my point of view, okay? So this is going to be John-centric, I guess, right? Because it's my own point of view. I mean, I can't read the other minds, and the other minister's point of view. So they can butt in if they want. They can ask questions if they want for clarification, if they want, okay? So how did the assembly of Yahusha came to be according to me as an observer, okay? First of all, um, wow, you know, I was expelled from INC back in April 30, 2016. Wow, 2016, that's a long time ago. How many years is that? Almost five years. You know, when we got expelled from INC, the first thing I was looking for, you know what it was? A worship service. I was really surprised that after my expulsion, there was no worship service amongst these so-called defenders. Yes, they met for, what do you call that? Devotional prayer, um, group prayer meeting. But they had no gathering called a worship service. And so after I got expelled because we were looking for worship service, I said, you know, we should have a worship service. And so I got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I remember we had a devotional prayer prior to our first worship service. And I was at work in the morning and I get a call from the Philippines. It was a, a minister, and he was using a, an M name, right? He's using the names for some reason or using names. and He just calls me Kajan, <laughs> It's like very authoritative. Do not continue with the worship service. I don't even know how they found out who we were going to have a worship service. But he said, "Do not continue." It's like it's a, like a, it's a wrong thing to worship God as a congregation and meet together for worship. But you know, we still continued, and May 22 was our first worship service back in 2016 so we were worshiping for a while we were at peace and then all of a sudden you have all these ministers who were against the worship service and one and so we all met all the ministers workers we all met together those who were in the so-called different defender groups and one senior minister said that we should not have that worship service because it will lead to the apostasy. So worship would lead to the apostasy, and he cited this verse, Exodus 32, 1 to 6. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, And your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to Yahuwah. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And so he was likening what we were doing uh, to what Aaron did. So I was kind of like Aaron, right? And so I was going to lead the people to apostasy. I should have waited. He said, you should wait. You should not, you know, do what the people are telling you to do. First of all, the people did not tell me to do. I was the one telling the people you should be worshiping because it is is it it is what we were taught. But the senior minister said, no, we should wait. And I was thinking to myself, wait for what? For Moses to come down? Wait for a new executive minister? To wait for Yahushua to come down? What are we waiting for? Well, what's the difference though? What is the big hole in his argument using Exodus 32, 1-6 as a reference to tell us that we should not start worship service as a congregation because of this passage. What is the big hole in his argument? Big hole in his argument is there was no Bible during that time, right? Why? Because the lawgiver is going to the mountain to get the commandments. There was no Bible because the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible was who? Moses. And so it was right for him for them to wait for Moses, right? But brothers and sisters, do we have to wait for someone to give us the Bible? We already have the Bible. And you know what it says in the Bible, Hebrews 10, 25, 27? Let us not give up. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. For if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifices for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God, did the Bible tell us to wait? Bible says, don't give up your meeting together. And so what did we decide to do? We kept meeting together. Why? Because it was revealed in scriptures already. We don't have to wait for another instruction. The instruction was already given in plain sight in Hebrews ten twenty five down to 27. So we kept worshiping. Guess what? So that was like the first big division amongst the defender groups. It was worship. And so even before the worship started, we got persecution from a fellow minister preventing us to begin the first place. While we were doing it, we were another senior minister comes in and tries to stop us. And it doesn't even stop there. And so we're worshiping, right? There are two attempts to try and stop our worship. But there's another elder minister who tries to stop our gathering. Not going to mention their names, right? But this is the argument they they posed. They said, well, you should not be worshiping because of the following passage. Judges 21, 24, 25. Then the people of Israel departed by tribes and families, and they returned to their own homes. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And so according to these ministers who wanted to stop the worship service, right? They said, well, because we have no king, we should just go back home and have the group prayer meetings because we have no executive minister. We cannot meet together for worship, just like during the days of judges. Israel had no king. Therefore, you should just go back to your own homes. There's a lot of flaws in that argument. The first one in Judges 21, 24 to 25, it mentions they returned to their own homes, right? Do you know where they came from? Why they returned to their own homes? Where where did they come from? Judges 21: uh, 2 down to five, they actually came from a a feast. They came from a feast, a, a feast of tabernacles actually, and they had a lot of fun. That's where they came from. And prior to that, do you know where else it came from? Joshua uh, Judges 21, 2 down to 5. So now the people of Israel went to Bethel and sat there in the presence of God until evening. Take note, we are in Genesis 21 still, right? Uh, judges, uh, Genesis, Judges. Uh, and so the people of Israel went to Bethel and sat there in the presence of God until evening. Loudly and bitterly, they mourned. Yahuwah God of Israel, why has this happened? Why is the tribe of Benjamin about to disappear from Israel? Early the next morning, the people got up and built an altar there. They offered fellowship sacrifices and burned some sacrifices whole. They asked, is there any group out of all the tribes of Israel that did not go to the gathering in Yahuwah's presence at Mizpah? They had taken a solemn oath that anyone who had not gone to Mizpah would be put to death. And so these people who went back home, yes, they went back home. But where did they come where did they come from? Well, they went to gatherings like the festival of tabernacles, which is a form of worship, right? They also went to, they came from Bethel. They met for worship, not only in Bethel. They also met for worship in Mizpah. And so even though they were without a king, they still were able to meet for worship and offer up sacrifices to who? Yehovah God. However... That's not what I'm really concerned about. You know what's really even more bothering? When they said, if there's no king, you should just go back home. You know what the big problem there is? We do have a king, right? Who is our king? Our king is king, Yahusha. So that's not even relevant, It's not even applicable because we have a king. What is unfortunate, these ministers even called me on the phone and said, I'll ask you, right? When we were at INC, before you can have a worship service, what do you need? You need an approval from the executive minister. What don't you need an approval for? A group prayer meeting. You can have a group prayer meeting without an approval from the executive minister. And so try to tell me the the worship services that we were conducting was against the will of God because they believe if there's no approval by the executive minister, you can only hold a GPM. That's so for the longest time, they call it what? GPM because they think if we call it worship service and it's not approved by the executive minister, there's gonna be lightning bolts. We are committing sin against God, brethren. All this is deeply rooted to the idea and belief that the executive minister is the king of the church or the assembly. Is that true? No. We don't need the approval of the executive minister. They even said, Brother Iranio Manalo is already dead. So we cannot make those decisions. Brothers and sisters, I love Brother Eranio Manalo. I love Brother Felix Juan Manalo. But my right to worship God did not come from Brother Eranio Manalo. My right to worship God did not come from Brother Felix Manalo. Where does it come from? Why can we have the conviction to worship God even if there's no quote-unquote approval from the executive minister? Hebrews 10, 1925. We have then, my friends, complete freedom. Get that? Complete, complete freedom to go into the most holy place by means of the death of Yahusha. Let us let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more, since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. You would be surprised at the amount of persecution we got just because of the worship service, brethren. That was in 2016. Even before we started, we get a phone call from the Philippines. We get another call from, I don't know where, here in the United States, from a senior minister. And then another minister visits us and tells us, no, this should be only a group prayer meeting, not a worship service. Can you imagine if we stopped? Can you imagine that? It's a good thing we didn't stop. Why should we not stop? Because the Bible says we have complete freedom, freedom to go into the most holy place, to gather together for worship. That is our conviction. We have the freedom to worship not because of any man here on earth, but because of the man, the messenger, none other than Yahusha HaMashiach. And by his shed blood, we are able to worship. So how did we how did we get to the assembly of Yahusha? It began with, with, with our worship, right? We stayed with our worship service. And so while we were worshiping, you know, some groups were against it, so there was a division there, right? And so we were known as the people who were worshiping or gathering worship. That's how we first came to be. But we did not stop there. Now that we are able to worship God, what did we decide to do? To study the scriptures, to study the prophecies. Why? Because we believe if Yahuwah God had answers and directions for us to do, it would come from the scriptures, right? And so we studied, lo and behold, We found Isaiah 1, 21 to 23. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She once was full of justice, righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. And so the Bible is telling us about these details of the prophecy and we looked at them one by one. The faithful city has become a harlot. What is that in reference to? It's when kings unite with merchants, when when, uh, religious leaders unite with merchants and politicians, you know. What else? Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers, the equivalent of murder is to hate someone. And so because in the name of hatred, you can maybe expel someone. What else? Rulers are rebels, so they disregard the instruction of the previous leader. Companions of thieves, loving loving bribes and chasing after gifts, defending the cause of the fatherless, the widow's case. We looked at this one by one and said, wow, everything, everything. Was fulfilled, And so this was kind of bad news. Why? Because of this, what did Yahuwah God say? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. And so because of the atrocities against Yahuwah God, what did Yahuwah God say to their worship, their prayers, and their offerings? Yahuwah says, it disgusts me. And so we began to think, does it mean there's no more plan for salvation? Turns out there is. Because in Isaiah chapter 1, 9 to 10, so the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless Yahuwah hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would not have become like Sodom. We would not have been made like Gomorrah. And so it makes sense. It makes sense perfect sense what was happening and we can see through the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 1 the direction we need to take and so we presented this lesson back in November of 2016 and many people again were very upset you know what they said they said either brother FYM or brother EGM taught the name or they also did not teach all about the prophecies right it's true because Brother Irani Manalo, Brother Felix Manalo, they never mentioned, they never taught Isaiah 1 8 to 9 and 1, Isaiah 1 26 to 29. They never taught those prophecies in the way it was unfolded. Okay. And what the problem is, you know, Prophet Isaiah did. And so we held on to that. We believed in the very small remnant prophecy. And so more divisions came to be. And so how did the assembly of Yusha come to be? Well, it started with, you know, our freedom to worship, and we did. We studied the prophecy, and we found Isaiah 1, 8 to 9. And so the next question is, according to the prophecy in Isaiah 1, how can we continue the work of the very small remnant, right? And so we kept reading, 126, I will restore your judges as in days of old, your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful, City. And so when you look at the prophecy, it doesn't mention, I will give you one overall leader. Because many of us were looking for one overall leader that would somehow continue the legacy of Brother Iran Manalo. But when you look at the prophecy, that's not what it says. It doesn't say I'm going to restore you a judge or a counselor, but judges, counselors. And so Yahuwah God is removing Right, this idea of one overall leader and it makes a lot of sense because it was never really the will of God. What's the proof? Matthew 23 8 to 10. You must not be called teacher because you are all equal and have only one teacher, and you must not call anyone here on earth father because you have only the one father in heaven, nor should you be called leader because your one and only leader is. The Messiah. And so according to Yahushua, when it comes to leading the church or the assembly, Bible says no one should be above everyone else. All of us are equal. Yes, there are so-called leaders, but it is not the equivalent of ruling over. Ruling over the other brethren. Because if that was the case, then you're becoming like another Messiah. Yahusha says you're one and only leader too. The Messiah, And so as we continued further, we had a Christ-centered leadership compared to before. It was a Manalo-centered leadership. Not anymore. We are a Christ-centered leadership. Our true executive leader, the one who is in charge overall, is who? Yahusha. So we moved to a Christ-centered leadership. And, you know, of course, a lot of people get upset again. They start persecuting you again. But we kept at it, and so we kept studying the scriptures. And so what happens then? Well, the third group, which is when we look at the prophecies concerning where we came from, the INC, it has many prophecies, and this is one, the third group, right? It will go through the fire. But if we keep looking into the prophecy, not only will it go through the fire, the Bible says they will call on my name. And I will answer them. I will say they are my people. And they will say, Yahweh Sar, God. Even the prophecy about the third group in Acts 238 to 39. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yahusha Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many ask the Lord our God will. call." We know this prophecy about the third group. What is the promise given to the third group? They will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the proof of their calling, the Spirit of God. And according to Apostle Peter, how will the Spirit of God be manifested in the latter parts of the ends of the earth? In Acts 2:17 to 20:21, 20, in the last days God says, "I will pour my Spirit On everyone, not just the apostles, but everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants, on both men and women. They will speak what God has revealed. And if you go all the way to the latter parts of the ends of the earth, right before the terrifying day of the Lord comes, Verse 21: Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. And so we have there again that the prophecies pertaining to the third group leads to, as we continue to unfold the prophecy towards the calling of the name. Even in John 10:16, we know this prophecy well about the other sheep and the other sheep of Yahusha what will they eventually know in John 17 24 in verse 26 it says I have declared to them your name that is the sheep with him when Yahusha was on earth because when Yahusha was on earth he has sheep right but he says he has other sheep not yet in the fold and so Yahusha says I have declared to them to the sheep present with Yahusha when he was on earth I will declare to them your name not only that and will, future tense, declare it in the future. The other sheep will also know the name of Yahuwah. This is why Hebrews 2, 11 and 13. So now Yahusha and the ones he makes holy have the same father. This is why Yahusha is not ashamed to call them as brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. So the sheep, the other sheep, the children given to Yahusha, they will receive the name because it will be proclaimed by Yahusha to them. This is why one of the things um, that we identify with is the proclaiming of the name of Yahuwah and Yehusha, this is fundamental to our beliefs. Again, they will come back with the same rhetoric, but it was not taught by Brother Felix Manalo. It was not taught by Brother Iran Jimanalo. That's true. That's true. And we don't deny that. It was not taught by Brother Felix Manalo. It was not taught by Brother Irani Yajimanalo. But who taught it? Moses, the prophets, some 7,000 times is in the Bible. Yahusha, Christ taught it. The apostles taught it. And so brothers and sisters, question I ask is, is the authority of Brother Irani Manala, Brother Felix Manala, greater than the authority of Moses, the prophets, Yahusha Christ, and the apostles? I will let you answer that yourself. Okay, so how did the Assemble of Yahusha come to be? Yeah, it started with, with worship. We looked into prophecy. We changed our leadership. It's Yahusha. There's no executive minister here on earth. Right now, we're gonna we start proclaiming the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha, but the prophecies are not finished, so we kept going. Right, Jeremiah 23 3 to 4. But I will gather the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them, I will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, Yahuwah, have spoken. And so according to the prophecy, the remnant of the flock, well, Yahuwah God's not going to leave them be. He's going to bring them together, and they will have their own sheepfold. In other words, they'll be organized by Yahuwah, given to Yahushua, and they will be given A certain identity. What is that? Isaiah 43, 7. Bring everyone who is called by my name. Whom I created for my glory. Whom I formed and made. What is that name that he created for his glory? It is the name Yahushua. Which has his name. Yahuwah. It is the only name given by which we are saved. The Bible says they are to be called by that Name. This is why we decided to register our group as the Assembly of Yahusha. Why Assembly? Because the word Assembly is more accurate than Church when it comes to the people who belong to Yahusha, because the word Church also denotes the building. But assembly denotes the people, because the one that is to be called by the name Yahusha are the people, and so assembly of Yahusha—that is the more correct translation of those who belong to Yahusha—and they're, they're going to say, "Well, but you know, it means that you re, you establish another." Church, right? This is the most common criticism we get. You establish another church because you registered your group as the Assembly of Yahusha. Here's my question. When you register as a church, are you starting a new church? Did you establish another church? When Brother Felix Manalo registered as a church back in 1914, did he establish another church? What is your answer? No, he did not. What was the purpose of the registration? We know this prophecy well, Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, when it was registered in 1914, it was not to establish the church. It it just made official the bringing or assembling of God's people in the Philippines so that they can legally do religious works in the Philippines, right? And the prophecy is not even complete. After Brother Felix Manalo passes and Brother Irani Manalo continued the work, What according to the prophecy, we're still in Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, what will happen also? Bible says there'll be a gathering from the West. It is the same sons and daughters of God from the ends of the earth. But this time the gathering is no longer in the East, but in the West. Was that fulfilled? Yes. The registration in 1968 did not establish a church. It just made official a gathering or assembly of God's people in the U.S. so that they can legally do religious works in the U.S. But we know what happened from this church. We're not going to talk about that. But we left that church for obvious reasons that we discussed in many of our previous Bible studies. And so Yahuwah God, is he finished with his work? We read 43, 5 to 6. Let's just keep reading. Verse 7, bring everyone who is called by my Name. And so when you notice Isaiah 43, 5, 6, and 7, it includes three registrations: one in 1914, one in 1968, and another one in 2020. Uh, 2020 right? And so just because the church is registered does not mean it is the establishment of what Yahusha. Is of the church or the assembly that belongs to Yahushua. That's why, because of the prophecy in Isaiah 43:7, we register the church in the name of Yahusha so that our assembly, every one of them officially now bear the name of Yahushua and continue to conduct religious works legally in the United States. Is this a new thing? No. Even in the first century, the people were called by a noble name. What is that noble name? The name of Yahushua? Christ. So our duty is not just to proclaim the name now, but also to be called by that name. Hence, assembly of Yahushua. What is the promise for those who are called by that name? Well, in Matthew 10, 32, 33, those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my Father in heaven. And so, that's uh, another part. How did the assembly of Yahusha? Uh, how did we come to be? We started with worship, and when we started worship, there were divisions. Right? There were some groups who who were no longer supporting us. And then we looked at the prophecy. We declared it. People again. No longer, some did not support us. Then we looked, we changed the leadership. We're not looking anymore. Because before, in all honesty, when we first got expelled, we were looking for another executive minister, right? But not anymore. I said, no, that's not the plan of Yehovah God. There is no executive minister in that sense. There's only one leader, that is Yahusha. Then we start proclaiming the name, Yahuwah Yahusha. Then now we are beginning to be called by the name of the Yahusha. And if you look at the pattern, if you look at the evolution, the progress of the assembly of Yahusha, you will notice one thing that kind of stands out. You know what that is? It is this idea that if it was not taught by Brother Felix Manala, if it was not taught by Brother Irani Jim Manala, it should be rejected, even if it's not found in, even if it's found in the Bible. There are even some preachers who say, you know, you should not even search the scriptures anymore. Don't search the scriptures anymore. I said, "Wow, you scratching my head? Don't search the scriptures. Are you kidding me?" You know what the Bible says about the scriptures? Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is inspired by God, and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living, so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified. And equipped to do every kind of good deed. Question What scripture, what part of scripture is worthy of study? All. Why all? Because all is what? If we say parts of scripture should not be studied then what are we saying? It's not important if it's inspired by God, right? Because if we're going to say, well, Brother Felix Manalo, Brother Iranian Manalo never taught it, then what we're saying is what Brother Felix Manalo taught is more important than what was inspired by God. And that's blasphemy. And there are even those who go so far as saying, we do not add. To what Brother Felix Manalo taught. We do not subtract to what Brother Felix y. Manalo taught. We stick with that. That's dangerous. Why? Because the Bible says in Revelation 22 18 to 19, I, John, solemnly warn everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book if any add anything to them, God will add to their punishment the plagues described in this book. And, and this is the part, and if any take anything, away from the prophetic words of this book. God will take away from their share of the fruit of the tree of life and of the holy city, which are described in this book. Isn't that dangerous? When you will say to people, reject the Bible that was not taught by Brother Felix Wabanalo, what you're essentially telling the people is to take away from the book. And if you take away from the book, Bible says, that you will not receive the share of the fruit of the tree of life. Brethren, it's time for us to move to our true king, Yahushua, and accept the authority that will lead us to salvation. It is all scripture, the book that comes from Yahuwah our God. And that last part right there, brethren, is causing... Our group a lot of persecution and people do not believe that we should not be that we should be declaring anything that was never preached but i believe in the authority of scripture i believe that the scriptures should not be limited by brother felix y 2nd timothy 3 16 to 17 so this is what the assembly of Yahushua is all about. This is how we came to be. The step-by-step. Step. It began with worship. Then we studied the Bible. And then we focused on our King Yahushua. Then we proclaimed the name. Then we were called by that name. And now we hold on to all scripture. Step-by-step. Step. And what we realized and found out is this. As we went step-by-step step to where we are now, We know. We're not yet finished. The journey continues. But what we understand in our journey is this. Throughout this process, we can see with our eyes refinement in what we received initially towards perfection and restoration. That, brethren, is the work of God that he wants to finish and complete in us and through us. And so let us work with Yahuwah God in the unfolding of the prophecies. Do not be stagnant. Allow Yahuwah to complete his work in you. Because if we're going to say, I only will accept what was taught to me back then, then we are not letting Yahuwah God to complete his work in us. We need him to complete his work in us. Because otherwise, how can we reach the mountaintop of our salvation? That is our lesson, brethren, let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes. Father. Yahuwah our God. Yes. Father. We thank you for the formation of the assembly of Yahushua. Amen. From its very inception. Yes. Father. The time when we sought you in worship. Yes. Father. Despite the persecution. Yes. Despite the hindrances and obstacles. Amen. For almost five years. As we gathered together for worship. Every single time you were there. You fulfilled your promise. And we felt your abiding presence. Up until this very moment. As we work together. With our fellow brothers and sisters. Who hold on to the same values. Who love all of your teachings. All of your scripture. And have referred to your son. That's our one and only true spiritual leader. Thank you for giving us your blessing. Thank you for giving us the gift of your spirit. Father, we want to share our faith. We will continue to do that. We will continue to proclaim your name, Yahuwah, the name of your son, Yahushua. For all those who want to listen and willing to learn, help us to be patient. Because sometimes as human beings we do run out of patience. Yes. Help us to do our best to be gentle in spirit, yet to be bold in proclaiming your truth yes. because your words are filled with power yes. that will yes. transform the common man. Amen. Help us to be your instruments every day. Yes. Help Amen. us to do our best to represent you well to the people of the world. Amen. Yahusha, our King and Mashiach, yes, Lord. you are indeed our Savior. Yes. We belong to you now. We proudly, proudly and publicly proclaim we belong to you. Yes. Because the assembly of Yahushua by your will, by your mercy is now recognized because of its registry. Help us to live by faith. Help us never to be ashamed of your name, to conceal it, to hide it, but to proclaim it always. Yes for all to know and benefit from. Please continue to work in us and through us. Bless your servants all over the world. When we need healing of any kind, when we mention your name to Abba, may you please listen. May you please strengthen us and heal us completely of all our infirmities. Father, thank you so much for listening to the prayers of your people. Forgive, please, all of our sins. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Amen.